Welcome to Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is Rhea Fry, the author of four suspense novels, Until I Find You, Because You're Mine, Not Her Daughter, and Secrets of Our House that will be released February 2022, as well as several nonfiction books. She's also the CEO and founder of Writeway, where she teaches aspiring writers how they can become published authors too, and host of her weekly Writeway podcast that helps demystify the publishing industry. Rhea says that her passion in life is telling stories, connecting with readers, and helping other aspiring authors tell their stories too. And in today's conversation, we'll talk about how to have a business-focused approach to writing and publishing without sacrificing your commitment to the art of writing. Welcome to the show, Rhea. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. Well, I'm so pleased you're here and I know you've got so much good information. So let's get right into the topic because I think a lot of new writers think it's an either or proposition. Either you treat writing as a business and focus exclusively on making money or you treat writing as a calling and not sacrifice the art for cash. And this is something that you've talked about on your website, you write, Writing isn't just a craft, it's a business. The only reason I got a four book deal with one of the big five publishers is this. I began to look at my book as a product and publishing is a business. So how do you respond to writers who say that kind of thinking means that writing is all about the money at the expense of the art? Yeah. So I grew up actually thinking like those writers that, oh, if I want to create something beautiful or create something meaningful in the world, it's going to be more of a passion project or a hobby. Like I learned very early on that writing did not equate to making money. I grew up with a father who's a fantastic fantastic writer. He's a poet. He never tried to get published, but he introduced me to writing. And I just like was always writing, would always dabble in it. But I was like, this could never be a career because you can't make money as a writer unless it was reserved for those, you know, uh, amazing, famous few where they just seem like the exception to the rule. And I really learned through ups and downs and trying to get published at a very young age doing everything incorrectly and actually proving that stereotype true, proving that like, oh yeah, you can't make money as a writer. Like you can get published, but you're never going to make money. So I, I did a ton of work on the back end where I had four nonfiction books come out, all traditionally published. They did not sell well. I didn't understand an author platform. I didn't understand how you make money as an author and it kind of clicked with me. I was like, whoa, how can I ever think about making a living at this if I don't even understand how you get paid as an author, as a published author? And as I just started to kind of explore, I really realized, no, you can definitely marry your art with trying to make money as a writer. And once I, again, you said it, but really started to look at my book as a product and this publishing industry as a business and learning everything that I could, I realized, oh, wait, you can have both. It's not easy, but you 100% can. It's definitely not an either or proposition. Well, I'm curious, how does this mindset intersect with the creative process? Does it hamper it at all? Or is it just a component 
of the overall writing as a career thinking? Yeah. Oh God. Such a great question. So when I wrote, when I, so I had, you know, these four nonfiction books that crashed and burned. I had a novel published at 22 that crashed and burned. And I took 10 years off of writing fiction because I was so like scarred by what had happened. And so when I took time off and came back to the page. I had so much fun writing my debut, which would become not her daughter. And I really, really thought like, this is it. This is gonna, this is gonna like change my life. I'm going to make a ton of money. And it would, I'm sorry. I like totally just lost my train of thought, which never, ever happens. Can <laughs> I'm sitting here talking about it. And well, just well, how, how does it, does it hamper um, oh, yes. creativity? Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's, it's such a hard question because I think in the beginning, if you get paid to write a novel or you get paid to write a nonfiction book, it's, it's this exciting thing. You have all of these big wishes and dreams, but as you become a published author and get paid book by book, by book, you start actually thinking about the results of that book and is it going to sell? And for me, it's been a real struggle not to focus on the results or, or the sales or making money and really trying to tell the best story that I can first. And because I am so much in the, in the business side of things with my own business, I think it's really hard for me to only think from a creative lens and not put that like business money stamp on it. So that is something that I struggle with, but I find in my experience, fiction writers are way more just creative and they really like believe in themselves and, and in the art. And then with my nonfiction authors, their books are a product and an arsenal of other products. Their books are serving a purpose. They're solving a problem. So for them, it's kind of like not this do or die concepts like my book has to sell or this is my lifelong dream it's just kind of another you know tool in their brand or business whereas fiction writers i feel like we all have this like pipe dream of you know these huge lofty goals and i do think that it begins with art and i think more fiction writers though should think about making money and should think about it like a business because when you do that you actually I feel can climb higher and take the reins a little bit more instead of feeling like you're in the dark, which so many authors do. They feel like they're in the dark in this industry. Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, I can speak from experience. Definitely, <laughs> definitely yeah. in the dark, you know, with, with my two nonfiction books, you're right. They were more of a tool because they were uh, about various aspects of becoming a writer. So they just sort of fit with any workshops I was doing. The fiction, not so much. Um, I'm. I, I want to get in a little bit about how you work with your clients, but yeah. why don't you first explain exactly what it is your your company Rightway does for your clients? Absolutely. So Rightway again, we help aspiring writers or writers want, who want to become published, and we do that in a variety of ways. So we actually have a fiction department. We have a nonfiction department. So in our fiction department, we get writers who come to us, a lot of first-time writers actually, who may have you know completed their novel or they have an idea or a concept and they really need help figuring out what to do next. So we offer everything from editorial services, developmental editing, copy editing, proof uh, proofreading, 
ghostwriting, co-writing, um, co-collaboration in any regard. We actually write query letters. We pitch um, to agents and editors on our clients' behalf because we've really gotten to know a lot of amazing literary agents in this industry. And we kind of like follow them from concept to the time they land a book deal. We are with that client. Now our nonfiction clients, that's like the bread and butter of our business actually. So they come to me to create their nonfiction book proposal. Um, and again, these, we get a lot of like CEOs, executives, you know, influencers, leaders in their space who need a book to legitimize their brand or business. So we help them create their book proposal. We edit it, we proof it, we design it. Again, we pitch to about 15 agents on their behalf and the success we've had, we launched, I've been doing this as a side hustle for a couple of years. And then we actually created the business at the top of 2020, right before the pandemic, my husband quit his job to come do this with me. And we had so many writers land top New York literary agents, land six-figure book deals, books, uh, book deals with the big five. Some of our clients whose books have finally come out, they've hit number one best-selling status. It has been unbelievable to see their success. And I think it's about, I mean, it's about them. It's a testament to them, but we've heard time and time again that everyone who's come to us, like just didn't understand how, how it all worked. And we start with defining what that author really feels is their definition of success. What is their big why? And sometimes it's not the traditional path. So we actually start by picking, helping them pick their publication path, whether that's traditional hybrid or self-publishing. And then we give them the tools to really navigate that terrain because it's not one size fits all. And I think as writers, a lot of us are given these like canned ideas of success, like, oh, you're only a successful writer if you're a New York Times bestselling writer, or if you know, you're on the Today Show. And that's just really untrue. You can be, you can be published in today's world, which I think is amazing, but it's about figuring out the right path for you. And that's what I'm most passionate about. I'm so passionate about talking about money in this industry, talking about what questions to ask before you sign a contract with an agent or an editor, what you need to do to launch your book, because that is where, to me, that's where the real work begins is like what happens after you get a book deal or after your book comes out. So we're really there through the whole process and whatever capacity um, the writer really needs us. And then we have, can't forget about my husband. <laughs> he does like the design um, element of things. If authors need websites or swag or any sort of branding, um, you know, we also have a weekly podcast that offers like free premium content. It's a very no BS podcast where we are telling it like it is um, and really helping people understand the publishing industry in general. Well, and, and you brought up uh, the money part about it, which is oh, yeah. a good segue. Um, so this whole idea that writing and publishing is a business, is that a conversation that you a lot of times have to have with your new clients? And do you get a lot of pushback? from them, especially the fiction writers. <laughs> yeah. So money is always, um, 
part of the conversation. I think it's really important. I mean, we ask, we have an intake form, a pretty extensive intake form, whether you're coming to us for fiction or nonfiction. And we really talk about goals. And I quite frankly, get a lot of nonfiction authors that are like, I want to sell a million books and I want to be rich. And I'm like, you know, if you're doing this for money, it's probably not the best way to start because again, you'll be chasing a result. But for my fiction writers, I find they don't ever think about money. They're like, oh, it would be nice. Like if the book sells, but that's not why I'm doing it. So I think for them, they're not coming at it with that like strategic mindset of, of how to manage that money, what that money looks like. If they get an advance, what do they do with that advance? If they make royalties, like how do they get paid? How often? So when we get to that part, especially with the pitching, we really, really talk through how you get paid, when you get paid, what to expect, whether you're self-publishing, hybrid or traditional publishing. So to me, it's one of the most important conversations because I mean, your publisher's not going to have it with you. <laughs> your editor's not going to have it with you. Your agent, maybe. But yeah, I mean, I've made so many mistakes along the way. And um, I just am really passionate about like kind of telling people what they don't know or don't know to ask or be informed about. And I think sometimes too, especially when they're new, they are um, so in awe of the idea Yes. That they're like grateful. Oh, you know, thank you, agent, publisher, whatever, for um, even looking at my uh, material. I'll take anything, which, which no. really sets them up for the vanity presses. You know, the yep. really evil, the, the evil vanity presses. Yeah. I mean, we talk all the time about like you as the author are actually the one who's choosing the agent or the publisher. It's not the other way around. And I feel like, yes, so many of us are like, oh my God, I'm so lucky to be chosen. But when you choose, like say you're choosing an agent, for instance, you need to feel so comfortable with that agent and and not just say yes, because they're like some big, you know, fancy agent. You're gonna, I've talked to so many people who sign with really big people and then they never hear from them again. Or it's just kind of this, terrible situation. So we often get on the calls with our clients, with agents or with editors at smaller houses or mid-sized houses to really kind of walk through. And then we do like a gut check and, and just say like, does this feel good? All you need is one. Yes. I'm so adamant about driving that home. And there is the right person for each writer. It's just about that matchmaking and making sure that you're you're really saying yes to people who you feel comfortable with and who are going to help you grow your career. Um, I could tell you so many horror stories. And I mean, for me, like I'd been published with, you know, mid-sized publishers, smaller publishers, but when Macmillan signed me, I ended up, you know, with a four book deal and I was just over the moon, but my advance was decent. It wasn't like a big six figure deal as a debut author, but what I did, I mean, I was so naive, like even, understanding the business, I ended up spending, I spent 20 grand on a publicist right out of the gate. Cause I was like, I'm treating this like a business and I'm going to do everything I can. And that actually did equate to a lot of good things. But over the span of like my first two books, I, I think I spent hundred thousand dollars on events and publicity and digital marketing and all of these things, just killing myself to try to get, to reach some pinnacle of success that I thought 
was going to make me feel different in some way. And I've since learned that those moments hitting a list, becoming a bestseller, all of those things are so fleeting and so momentary. And this career is really long and you've got to prioritize. And sometimes that comes through trial and error. And I can attest to that. I've made so many mistakes, even knowing what I know. And every time I have a book coming out, I still feel that like, what do, like, what am I going to do this time? Like, how do I sell this book? What do I do? I feel like a novice every single time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, and, and I think part of it is too, that the industry itself has changed so much. I mean, yes. my first book came out in 2004, which is like, God, back in the yeah. dark, you didn't have eBooks. Yeah. Okay. If you wanted to get your book into say a library, you mail, you snail mailed them a copy of the book. mail. Yes. I mean, it was, you know, it it was just, you might have a website, you maybe had a blog, but you know, who knew what a blog was? So, you know, just the difference between then and now is just phenomenal. It is. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, this is, this is perfect because you said it yourself, even knowing what you knew, Yep. <laughs> you still made some mistakes. So let's talk about Rhea, the author. Um, you know, you you started out with several nonfiction books and, you know, put yourself back in that time frame. What was your vision of what it would be like to be oh. a published author with books on the shelf and all yes. Well, I'll tell you, actually, my first book was published in 2004 and it was a novel. It was fiction that I don't ever talk about because it was such a terrible experience, but it was a book called A Woman's Ring. I mean, it was just so ridiculous. It was about an amateur boxer who like abandons her family to come, you know, to, to become this like amazing athlete. And it was, it was pretty autobiographical as most 22 year old novels are. And I was so desperate to be published. I mean, I was, um, at Columbia for fiction writing. I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to, to be like my professors and be published. So I submitted that novel. It was so not ready to submit, but I submitted it over and over and over again. And I got interest from a publisher that no longer exists, total vanity press, I did my research. I went into bookstores. I looked for their books. Of course they weren't there. And I started asking them questions and they threatened to like retract the offer. Now I wasn't getting paid money. There was no advance, nothing like that. But I was so desperate to see my book in print that I said, yes. Now, oh boy. I remember it was on my launch day. I was having a party at my house. Um, My professors were coming you know, I, like a lot of people that I, I looked up to and I still didn't have my books. I had ordered all these boxes of books. I get them hours before the party. I open them up and I'm trying to like, I wish I could, I had it on the shelf to show you the, the cover looked like something out of the worst Photoshop you've ever seen. And as I'm opening it up, it looks so unprofessional. I noticed that they had printed two prologues in each book, two prologues back to back. So I was razor cutting the second prologue out right before my party and just freaking out, like so embarrassed. Um, Of course, my book was never in a bookstore. Um, I mean, I got some cool write-ups in the paper and like, you know, all of that back then, but, you know, social media just wasn't really a a thing and everything was word of mouth, but that experience (laughs) 
was so far from my idea about being published. I thought like so many that I'm going to write this book and I'm going to be the exception. It's going to be everywhere. I'm going to get all these accomplishments and accolades. And when it didn't happen for fiction and I moved to nonfiction, which was a natural progression. I've always been into health and wellness. I was a personal trainer and nutritionist at the time. So I wrote these books and got traditional deals and got some cool press and, you know, decent stuff for a few of them, but I still didn't understand what I needed to do as a nonfiction author specifically to build myself up, to build that community, that engaged community, even back then, how important that was to be able to sell a book. And now I find it, you know, when we talk to our clients, we talk, we vet them and we talk about author platform and the sellability of their idea. Now fiction, it's not quite as important, but nonfiction, it drives me nuts that I I get so many amazing ideas that cross my desk. And if they don't have any sort of digital presence or engaged community, they are not going to get that traditional deal in the way that they want it. Um, they are going to have to grow their author platform. So now to be a writer today, I mean, I feel like you have to be a writer, a social media guru, (laughs) a publicity wizard, a marketing genius. You have to be all of these things. So I was talking to, um, a wonderful author friend of mine the other day, and we were joking, like how the publishing industry has ruined our love of writing because (laughs) since we've become published, we feel so like our, our spirit, our writer spirit, our creative spirit has just been taken down a notch as we like dive into what really goes on behind that curtain. Um, it's a little bit soul crushing if I'm being honest, but when you're doing all of these interviews and your book comes out, no one's talking about that. No one's talking, you know, no author is going to be like, yeah, I'm really disappointed in my team. They didn't do anything. And I spent a bunch of money and my book still didn't sell. We're not having that dialogue. And I think we need to be having that dialogue more because there are so many great things about this industry and there are so many things that need to change and that need to talk to be talked about. And I feel like so many authors are afraid to really say, Hey, I'm disappointed. I deserve more. And I think that that's the conversation that I really want to start having more of. I think you're right about that. And I think it comes back to that whole, Oh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you picked me. Yes that, you know, I'm not going to complain about anything, but, you know, we, again, that is a component of looking at it as a business, as a product. Yes. And if, and if we don't like how the product is going along, open your mouth because bottom line, it's your career it's your career, and it's career. I mean, isn't it funny? Yeah. You know, even with a traditional deal, you know, I, I think that that's something that shocks a lot of people who are just getting into it. They're thinking, yeah. I'll get a book deal and I won't have to lay out any money. Oh, please. You know, you, you are oh. still going to be spending a fair bit of money if you want to promote yourself. It's Always. Like- I mean, and it's so funny. I think about like, okay, take any business, for instance, like, does this sound like a good idea? Like, okay, you're, you're starting a business 
You don't know how you're going to get paid. And when you do get paid, you get paid twice a year. If you're lucky, you don't really know what's going on behind the curtain. You don't really have a lot of say so in how this is all going to go to market. Like it, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. You'd be like, no, that sounds like a terrible business. Why would anyone get into that? But I think this fundamental need for us to be published for our stories to be out in the world is so innate in us, but now it is time to really understand the different paths you can take and like what each of those is going to take. And you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people think if they traditionally publish, great, I'm getting paid. I don't have to spend a dime. I had literally spent more as a traditionally published author than any self-published super successful author that I know to get my books out there, like in a bigger capacity. So I think, yeah, it's just, to me, I think one of the best things people can do is really talk to other authors. Like if you want to have a career like Leon Moriarty, or you want to have a career like Ruth Ware, then then find a way to either connect with them or, you know, talk to other people. I mean, authors are amazing. Like they're, they're so generous. They will always talk to you. Um, I find that if you just ask questions, they'll answer, but really start doing your research and connecting with people who are doing what you want to be doing and, and find out the answers. You might not like what you hear, but at least you'll have kind of a more honest picture of what it takes, you know, to be a published author. That's absolutely true. And, and you're right. You, just because you don't like what you're hearing doesn't mean it's not valid. It just exactly. means you have, you have a knowledge gap there. Yes. You need to fix yes. that knowledge gap because that's just the only way you're going to advance. Yes. Let, let's talk about your first novel, um, Not Her Daughter. That one came out in 2018. And um, it, it, I was reading the blurb, it said it raises the question of what it means to be a mother and how far someone will go to keep a child safe. What was the spark that generated? Oh, still my favorite story to this day. There was magic in that book. I, you know, so I hadn't touched fiction in over a decade. Um, I was a mother at that time. I had a little five-year-old and I came up with this idea of like a reverse kidnapping. Like, could you ever do the wrong thing for the right reasons? Um, so a kidnapping for good, like kidnapping this little girl for good. I knew roughly what I wanted to write about. I knew the little girl's name was going to be Emma. I knew like who the, the kidnapper was going to be. And I was in an airport and this actually made it into the book. And I was like thinking about the story and there was this mom who was so, she was just so weathered and exhausted and it, my first instinct was to be like, oh, I totally relate. But there was this little girl there. She was about five years old, decked out in red, red dress, a red Christmas bow in her hair, red shoes. She was so adorable. And her mother, for no reason, this kid wasn't doing anything, just started like yelling and pushing and hitting her in public in the airport for no reason. And her name was Emma. And I like got goosebumps and found myself as a mom, just like wanting to take this little child and just give her five minutes to herself. And it started this question in my head, like, God, you know, is she a bad mother or is she just 
a mother having a bad day? And then the second question, if she's doing this in public, what is she doing behind closed doors? And I left that day and I could not stop thinking about this little girl. So I immediately went home and did something crazy. I was working three jobs at the time. I quit two of them that very week. And I gave myself eight weeks to write this story. I wrote it in four weeks from start to finish. It flew out of my body. I've never had an experience like that since landed an agent really quickly. Um, after knowing now like how to pitch and how to write a query letter and, and really only sending to a select few. And then, yeah, we were kind of off to the races. The book went to auction. It landed a movie deal before it came out. And it was just, again, that little naive part of me was like, this is gonna change everything. And then, you know, the book came out and I remember like, I did it. I did like 50 events, but I was also taking my daughter to soccer and, you know, doing the same sort of things day to day. Um, but that story, I mean, it's still one that, that sticks with me. I still think about that little girl and I dedicated the book to her because I just, you know, I just want to know like what happened, <laughs> what happened to her and is she okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know what you mean when, when something just catches you like that and you, you never, it never gets out of your head. You no, know? it just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the next two novels that are out now until I find you and because you're mine, they're, they're also about various aspects of motherhood. Yeah. Why, why are you focusing on what's been called domestic dramas? Is that because that's the life you're living now or what, what is it that draws you to that? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I wrote Not Her Daughter, they're like, oh, you're domestic suspense genre. I'm like, what is that? I didn't even know I was in a genre, but I really like writing about things that's, that are kind of like parents' worst case scenarios. I think I play out my worst fears as a mother through my characters and through these stories and kind of use it as therapy. But I, I feel like, you know, if you're a parent, you've definitely thought about your kid probably being kidnapped. It's one of the most common fears I think we can ever think about. And then until I find you, um, you know, I wrote from like a blind woman's perspective. She's a blind widow. She believes her three month old son has been swapped for another baby. So it's kind of this swap situation instead of a kidnapping situation. And I, I don't know, I'm so drawn to that parent child relationship and what we will sacrifice for our children. Um, and it's so funny because my daughter's almost nine now and she, she's like, she's like, can I be your editor? And she, we talk shop about all of our book or all of my books. And I probably scarred her because she's just like, she is so, in, she's so invested in these stories, but it's, I don't know. I feel almost compelled to work. Yeah. Work out my own parenting fears on the page. You know, it's, it is kind of therapeutic in a way. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I know, um, even with some of my, my short stories, um, yeah. Long before either one of my parents, my parents are both gone now, but long before either one of them uh, became ill, every now and then I would write a short story about one of them dying. And it's because the idea of my parents really dying was so traumatic that the only way, you know, the only way I could deal with that whole idea at all was, okay, let me, let me do it in fiction from various aspects. Yes. Almost, yes. almost like as if not that you're 
exactly preparing yourself, but like you said, it, it's your it's your worst fear. So let me let me try to get it out so that 100%. so that we can function. Um, so okay, so you've got three novels out now. You've got a fourth one coming out. Uh, how do you decide what book to write next? Are you, are you mm-hmm. deliberately choosing topics that you feel will resonate with the fan base you already have? Or do you sometimes think, oh, I think I want to shift a little outside of that genre? What a great question. And this is something I feel like writers don't really think about before they go in. Like the advice I always give is like, write two novels, write three novels before you ever even pitch. Because when you sell something, so say you sell your debut book, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to be in a genre, whether you intended to or not. So when I initially sold Not Her Daughter, again, I wasn't setting out to write in a genre. It's just the story that came out and they're like, nope, you're domestic suspense or women's fiction with suspenseful elements. I was like, okay, cool. But I sold, I initially sold a two book deal. I had, well, so Not Her Daughter was supposed to have a sequel and this publisher didn't want the sequel, but that, that story was so in my head. So I kind of fought for that for a while. So I had no clue what the next book was going to be. I mean, again, I hadn't touched fiction in so long that I was like, am I an imposter? Can I do this? Like, what am I doing? So the second book, Because Your Mind was, oh my gosh, it started out as one thing and went through so many iterations. But because I was on a book a year, I mean, the timeline to write that was so condensed. I didn't really know like what I wanted to write, but we finally got to a story that felt really rich and a little bit more twisty, um, especially at the end, kind of more of a much more like suspense um, book. And then with Until I Find You, that book actually came to me in a nightmare. And I've always really also suffered from a lot of eye problems and have one of my worst fears is going blind. (laughs) So I kind of, you know, worked through that fear and came up with this story. But the fourth book, Again, it was like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, great. What are you writing next? What are you writing next? And that one was one that I'd been thinking about for a while, but it ended up totally different than what I had started out because I found myself along the way actually wanting to write a lot darker and a little bit more like strict thrillers. And I was very pigeonholed into like, nope, you are... This is, this is your lane and you need to stay in it. So, but as, as domestic suspense and domestic dramas have become a much more saturated arena, um, I'm, you know, I'm out of contract after this fourth book. I'm really taking a step back to assess like, what do I want to write next without a deadline and without that pressure? So I'm kind of thinking about going lighter or maybe going a bit darker and trying my hand at some different things. So it's, you know, I think it's really important as, as authors to write. I mean, it's tough when you have a team and expectations, but really write the story that resonates with you the most and not always trying to fit into this little narrow lane, because I think it shows on the page when you've been, you know, kind of pigeonholed (laughs) into like, nope, this is all I can, this is all I can write. Now, have you ever worked on a book project that you ultimately set aside because you didn't think it would have commercial appeal? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, yeah, this um, 
the quote unquote sequel to not her daughter. I mean, I think it's very commercial, but I was told over and over again, like that book, you can't write that book. That book's not going to sell. You can't do it. But so I actually reworked it as a standalone. Um, and we are out on a partial submission right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've started and stopped things over the years. I used to love literary fiction actually. And I know I have some like literary fiction manuscripts in my drawer somewhere. Um, so, and, and I also love poetry. I wanted to write a collection of poetry um, that I have like quite a bit of, but you know, poetry is so hard to sell, <laughs> especially today. But I love, I think that's a reminder though. Like, I don't think everything is meant to sell. I don't, because there's a lot that comes with being a published author, as you know, that's kind of uncomfortable for people who want to be a little bit more introverted, like having a launch party every time, you know, doing all of these events and tours. And, you know, it leaves so little time to really like process and write and sit with your story because now you're worried about being relevant and having a book that comes out, you know, pretty steadily. So it's a tricky balance. Um, but I love that I have some stuff that I, that will never see the light of day. And I don't, I don't want it to see the light of day. It's just for me. Mm -hmm. Which is actually my next question. Yeah. Is there a type of writing that you do just for personal satisfaction? You, you're not sharing it with people. It's just a way for you to explore explore a topic journaling I journal so I'm I'm creepy and have like all my journals from I started journaling from a very young age and I have like bins of just I chronicled my whole teenage life which no one should do I have journals and journals and journals through my first divorce through you know being pregnant through just all kinds of stuff but I journal pretty religiously um and that I mean, that's how I work everything out is definitely on the page. And I love um, that form of writing. It's what I came to first before anything. I, I was a journaler <laughs> and I absolutely love, love that process and have seen amazing things happen just in my own personal and professional life from putting it down on the page. So let me ask you this, because I think this is a really important question. I, I try to always ask my guests this. Um, what is your idea of success? How do you measure it as a writer? Oh, that's so, such a great question. So years ago, I would have definitely said hitting a list, getting chosen by Oprah, Reese's Book Club, you know, all the things that were taught are the pinnacle of success. Now, I mean, to me, it's so funny. I've really been grappling with this lately, um, but I think it's writing a book, like writing the book that I am meant to write, getting it out into the world and knowing that, I don't know, I feel like when I let books go into the world, I no longer own them. But success to me is like when a reader that I don't know will message me or email me. And, and I've literally had people say, this is the best book I've ever read. Oh my gosh. You know, just whatever it is. And I think we're so easy to dismiss like really amazing feedback and go straight to the critical feedback or read the one-star reviews. But success to me is really just 
touching a writer's life or a reader's life in some way where they want to like share that book word of mouth, giving it to their friends and, and just, yeah, spending time. Like I often imagine someone curled up in their pajamas, like with my book at night. And that is just like the coolest thing to think about that someone is spending hours of their precious life with your words that were once an idea in your head that now exist in the world. Like to me, you can't, you can't beat that. I think it's the coolest thing on the planet. So my, my, my like idea of success has really changed, but that, that feels good to me and it feels um, sustainable for me. And I think that, you know, I think it's important to constantly reassess what success even means to you book by book, you know, project by project. And it's okay to have the answers change because most authors I know that have hit these lists or reached the pinnacle, they're like, yeah, it felt good for like, 10 minutes and then it was on to the next thing. So I think celebrating the successes and the wins that we have, however tiny they may seem are so integral to, to this process. No, you're, you're absolutely right in, in making that connection because it is all about connections. You know, when we, when we write something and especially if we're fortunate enough to have it published, you know, it's because we want someone to read it. We want them to read it. We want them to get something out of it. We want to make that connection. We may never hear from that person. We yeah. may never see that person, but it is making the connection because, because that gives the whole process validity in a way. Yeah. Well, boy, yes. The validity is, I mean, it's a huge part of all, all of this. I mean, we all want to feel validated. We all want to feel seen. And, and that's why, like, I appreciate even my bad reviews. Cause often I'm like, oh yeah, I can see that. I agree with that. So I think like just being part of the conversation, even if that conversation's not going the way that you want to, and, and knowing that a book can live and survive in the world for decades and decades and decades. Like that is so cool in this oversaturated world that your piece of work could potentially outlive you. I think that's still really rare and special. And that's why so many people want to become authors. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on onto the podcast, sharing all your, your perspective, both from the business side and from the creative side. I, I think listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much for being on the show and best of luck with the next book. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure.